back to another edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host, Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And after the big races yesterday and some scheduling conflicts, um, the salesman is not here for the podcast today. But fortunately, we have James Grande stepping in. So, James, how is everything going for you this week? Um, Everything is going pretty well. Uh, happy Monday to all at the time of this recording. And uh, looking forward to another pod. Thanks again, Colby, for having me. And shout out to Sells. Uh, still making contributions here, Colby, to the pod because Sells will be editing this. So even when he's not here, um, it, Matt's impact is is still Im- imprinted on this pod. Absolutely. He is he is he's definitely in the mix still, even if he's not in the seat here. So, um, of course go follow Matt sells at the salesman on Twitter. Give James a follow as well at the underscore real underscore grande on Twitter. But of course, a week of action has passed since the last time that we all spoke here and been behind the glass behind these microphones. We got to take some of the news here and kind of delve into the fantasy impacts of each. Uh, we're going to start with the first one, Walker Bueller elbow injury. And they thought they avoided a scare, and it turns out that they quite didn't. So Bueller's going to be on the shelf for a little bit here. So kind of talk about the fantasy impacts of Bueller's uh, elbow slash forearm injury here, James. I mean, it's a massive impact. And it's not that he had been pitching well. I think we're all aware of that he's not living up to his first, second round, you know, draft um, status of this year. Um, unfortunately, you just can't, you just don't find a replacement for guys like this. You can patch it together and, there will be plenty of arms along the way, but when you draft someone such as Walker Bueller, there is no clear-cut replacement. This is when you need to start figuring things out. Do you have an extra bat that you can put on the market to acquire you know, a top-fledged starter, or are you going to go more of a streaming route? There's no particular replacement, right? Like That just doesn't exist unless you you know, find last year's Ranger Suarez who pitched to a sub two ERA as a starter. That is very rare. Um, so I think you need to start exploring different, different avenues, different routes, because when you, again, you lose someone who is predicted or, or expected to be your ace in, in your rotation for three months, you need to think out of the box. So I would start hitting up managers around the league. If you are a Walker Bueller owner um, looking for, you know, top fledge arms if you have, uh, you know, enough hitting. And also on the flip side of that, go to the Walker Bueller owners um, and try to force their hands too. Um, you need pitching? Well, I want whoever, right, uh, of, of higher status offensively. So you can look at it both ways. There's no easy way to replace a Walker Bueller, but I think, um, you know, attack the trade market. And obviously in dynasty and keeper formats, this injury hopefully is just, you know, right. a small a small bump in the road. But for those in redraft, I mean, they said the teams expect him to be without him for about three months. Let's just say yeah. they're exactly correct. We're talking June 13th. We're now into the middle of September. In redraft yeah. formats, you basically need a perfect recovery just to get anything from him the rest of the way. So most likely if your league doesn't have many IL spots or you just need the spot that bad, I I can't believe we're saying this, but I, I think you're almost going to have to drop Walker Bueller. Yeah, and you know who his manager is. So even when he does return, I mean, how the way that the cautiousness that Dave Roberts and company are going to take with Walker Bueller is going to be insane. Think about 
how cautious they've been with Julio Urias to start this year and he not coming off an injury. So um, I'm, I'm in full agreement, Colby. I think the 2022 fantasy season for Walker Buehler and redraft is over. And it's interesting because you mentioned Dave Roberts being quite conservative. And now this is actually just led me into a perfect segue into the next thing. But should everything go correct with Bueller's you know, recovery and everything goes well, we've seen the Boston Red Sox toil this idea around because they want to get the guy back sooner. Um, this is more so about Chris Sale, but perhaps when when Walker Bueller returns, maybe they use him in a long relief role or maybe out of the bullpen, just try to get him back on the mound sooner as it's, I think it's pretty fair to say that the Dodgers have, you know, World Series aspirations here, but right. Boston could be looking to get Chris Sale back on the mound. They just needed anybody on that mound at this point. They need, they need some help. So Sale comes back as a reliever, perhaps to start. Is that for fantasy, other than the fact that one of the game's more dominant left-handed pitcher, who's always seems to be injured back on the mound, it's a net positive. But at what point with Chris Sale is do fantasy baseball managers essentially just need him to be starting so that they can actually finally get that return on investment they thought they were going to get closer to the start of the year? I mean, I guess it depends on what Boston views him as when he is put in the bullpen. Is is that official? Like, is he confirmed? Like, when he goes to the bullpen, is that confirmed a long man? Or is he going to pitch in short stints? I mean, the Yankees did it with Luis Severino as well, like short stints. And he was the late inning guy. Like, could Chris Sale become a late inning guy for a Red Sox bullpen that could probably use the the help? And if Chris Sale, what if Chris Sale starts getting holds and saves, Colby? Then what are we talking about? Are well, we- I was just, yeah, I was just going to pose this to you out there. Say at this point, right now, Tanner Hawk has two saves. Who ends the year with more saves, Hawk or Sale? If Chris Sale is placed in the bullpen, I'm going to go Chris Josh Hader Sale with more saves. Is this not, okay. this, this is Josh Hader like 2.0. Well, I guess Chris Sale is like the original Josh Hader, but as a starter, right? Like it's just like the the herky jerky stuff, and I think Chris Sale ends with more saves. And How about that? Let's let's say this. So, in obviously, like in a say a league like the like TGFBI, you don't have IL spots and anything like that. Chris Sale is out there on the in free agency, and you need saves badly. Are we talking? A hundred percent of the fab for Josh Hader 2.0. Uh, I don't know about a hundred, but I would give up a large chunk. It would be, a, I mean, 99. That's yeah, nine, yeah, 99. Yes, there would be a, it would light, lead with a nine. Uh, first number would be a nine, and then uh, whatever percent, whatever number you want to put as a uh, number two, you, you could, that's your decision. Yep. I, it would be, it would be interesting. Just imagine. Imagine Chris Sale and that's all I'm going to say. And if you're holding on to him, I mean, you're probably hoping he comes back a starter. But if Boston, it seems like Boston can do whatever it takes to get him on the mound sooner. And a, you know, three to six out role might be kind of where Chris mm-hmm. Sale begins the year there. So we'll have to see what happens with him. But make sure you keep that fab budget saved for a closer Chris Sale. Chris Josh Hater Sale, excuse me. Um, <laughs> the new the potential new Boston closer. Um, so back to some injury news, San Fran, Alex Cobb, Jacob Junis to the IL and TGFBI. My pitching staff is decimated by injuries. I have so many little bolded red IL 15s, all these guys and Junis just became the most recent one. So uh, James, what are your thoughts here with Alex Cobb and Jacob Junis? I know neither of them are exactly world beaters for fantasy on the mound, but I mean, Hey, they got innings and they're pretty much better than anybody on the waiver wire right now. 
Yeah, I mean, they also pitch in a very friendly ballpark, so it's tough to uh, to lose them. I do think Cobb, you know, Cobb has pitched better than his ERA. I mean, his expected FIP is 237. His FIP on the year is 263. His expected ERA, 206, Colby, 573 ERA for Alex Cobb. Um, he's been incredible in the strikeout department, too, by far, uh, the increased velocity has been helped out, helping out, obviously, over 4% better than his career best, which is last year in terms of strikeouts. Um, so that's a tough loss. I think the Junis thing, and I, I know I'm sorry because you just mentioned you have him on a team. Um, I, I think he's poised for uh, regression anyway. I mean, you know, the strikeouts are down from a year ago. The ERA is a run, almost a run and a half lower than the expected era um the only thing saving him really he's been really good at inducing ground balls um and he pitches in a really friendly park so like definitely something somewhat of a loss i do think there's regression um post return of the injury um but there's no reason to drop either of them um at this point i think placing them on your il is a perfectly good move and then if they stink when they come back so be it I think Cobb is due for some positive regression, while Junis is uh, probably likely headed the other way. And Alex Cobb's a guy at home. He's he's only, he's like the right-handed Carlos Rodon. You look this year at home, Rodon's got a 14.1 K per nine at home, and Cobb's at a 12.6. <laughs> Never in a million years did I think would those two be that close, but it is a glorious pitcher's park to pitch in. And I love with those Giants pitchers at home. Most of them are quite good there. So, yeah, I'm hoping Junis comes back. I know he's not a massive strikeout arm, but when you uh, – had a couple of weeks where you had to run IL guys out there because you had no other pitching options. It's right. just nice to have someone who gets innings. Agreed. At this point. So have to see how they do there. But moving away from the mound, go behind the dish to Cincinnati. Tyler Stevenson has hit the IL. He was a very, very popular uh, catcher for preseason draft rankings at a good home park. And, well, one figure the Reds weren't going to be like the worst team in baseball. <laughs> Um, and there's enough offense there, but Tyler Stevenson is now out. Those, those in two catcher formats are probably scrambling. So mm-hmm. let me kind of give you a two for one here, the Tyler Stevenson injury. And then is there any interest, any interest, excuse me, in uh, Gabriel Moreno's call up for Toronto? So the latter is a definite, I mean, hard not to like kind of be giddy about a top 10 prospect in baseball, getting the call in the best lineup in baseball. As of right, I mean, at least over the last, what, month, the Blue Jays have been just hitting everything. So it's like, you know, Danny Jansen on the IL, like, this is Moreno's time to, he's going to get plenty of pitches to hit uh, with everyone else hitting. Um, And, like, the Stevenson injury obviously hurts. I mean, he was a 280 hitter last year. He hit 300 this year. It's not someone I would drop, but I, I actually think you're right, like, the the correlation between Stevenson and Moreno is pretty good. Like if you lost Stevenson, I would put a little bit of, you know, a, a healthy amount of fab on Moreno considering his bat tools and um, his prospect ranking. And even if he doesn't stick like Stevenson's injury isn't expected to be incredibly serious. Um, so by the time Jansen, returns and maybe Moreno sent back down I mean you could have you could be getting Stevenson back relatively soon after that so um tough blow but just place him on your IL because he is one of the best hitting catchers in baseball uh and even though his team stinks 
still has that ballpark to always lean, you know, always fall back on uh, Great American once again, top two in runs scored per game. So, uh, good, good correlation pickup uh, if you lost Stevenson is Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, and there's enough, there's enough juice there. And I mean, you got to, like you said, it's a great lineup to be a part of without like naming, you know, some of the best ones. You know, you got Santiago Espinal, Rainel Tapia, Alejandro, <laughs> who's, who's apparently now the new Ty Cobb in terms of yep, correct for average. There's a couple other guys in that lineup. Oh, like Kavon Biggio. There's just, there's a lot to, lot to like. Lourdes Curiel, Lourdes Curiel too. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Oh, Matt Chapman prime time mm. third baseman oh, yeah. there 216 average on the year so there's some other bums in that lineup but those are the main ones that we really focus on there so yeah it's just offensive production is hard to come by at catcher catchers almost getting to the point of like a relief pitcher where if a, if a relief pitcher throws the ninth inning once they're going to be a fab pickup no <laughs> yeah. matter what and it's yep. like any catcher just hits a ball relatively hard it's like oh that's going to be my second catcher that's what i <laughs> that's what that's what this fantasy baseball team needs to take it to the top is just uh another catcher there. So yeah, don't worry about the early production with a guy like Moreno. We've seen it with Adley Rushman. Like there's no right. chance he's this bad. Like, no. I mean, he's, the, he's going to be a stud. So yep. I wouldn't be worried about it too much. And like I said, when you're in a lineup with Ryan Meltapia and Kayvon Vizio, you're going to produce such as how it's going to be. Um, back to the mound, uh, Andrew Kittred's back to the IL as someone who invested quite heavily um, in the back end of that pen with, uh, I call him Colin Porsche because he had one save and that just made me all excited when I picked them up. <laughs> um, so talk about the Kittredge IL industry and, or injury. And no matter what, Tampa was not going to lock down one ninth inning guy. Right. There's going to be multiple in there. So this seems destined for, it was already a closer by committee to an extent, but it just now seems like the injury to, or the new injury to Kittredge is just going to double down on the closer by committee in Tampa. Oh yeah. This is just so much, it just made it so much worse. Um, so much worse. I mean, Poche has been their best reliever. But, you know, doesn't really strike a lot of guys out. Probably walks a few too many guys as well. Um, Brooks Rowley has probably been the better in terms of your ratios. He's been a higher strikeout um, per nine, 11 strikeouts per nine innings. Um, but he's obviously been hit harder than Poche has. Or what, what, was, the, what was the name you called him? He's uh, he's like a Porsche because it's fast Porsche. and fun, but if you're, if you're not careful, it's going to end up real bad. <laughs> uh, so, like, I would probably prioritize uh, Brooks Rally a little bit more than um, Porsche, but, you know, nothing wrong with having a Porsche either. Yeah, until it, you know, just crashes. Until it breaks down, right, but, right. Yeah, yeah, but, like, while you have it, it's fun. Like, while you, I, well, I'm, I imagine you have it. I don't personally have one. Um, so I don't actually know what it's like to have one, but I can imagine it's fun for while while it lasts, you know. Yeah, and it's something too where again, like I met I mentioned the TGFBI is the industry league that um I'm in. Are you in that one, James? Yes, I am. Doing terribly, but that's okay. my own fault. <laughs> yeah. So like I mean, I had added uh Mr. Porsche Poche in the weekend of June fifth. I was the only one to bid on him and bid two hundred and three dollars on him because I mm. needed ninth inning help so right. bad um right. so yeah you know when you look at some of these bids here like that week i dropped over 300 in bids and no one even bid it on the people that i was going for so i don't know that either means i'm out of the loop or i'm way ahead of things well desperation so, i mean if you're look if you're desperate tampa bay is still floating 500 they're a team that has been historically good they're going to win a lot of games they're still you know they're what 10 games over 500 sorry so there's going to be save opportunities. Unfortunately, we don't know who's going to be in the ninth inning, but 
there will be opportunities for all of them, especially with Kittredge down, who was leading the team in saves. So if you do have um, Poche, like it's you're going to get the opportunities. If you do have Brooks Rally, you he will get the opportunities. If you know Matt Whistler and Jason Adam um, all continue to pitch well, like maybe they'll get opportunities. But I think Poche and Rally lead the charge, and I do think. Um, if you're desperate for relief, relief help in saves, I, it's obviously those are two guys that will be available in almost all formats and are worth taking a shot on. And then we did get some encouraging news regarding Jack Flaherty. There's a lot of issues. A guy who's had some arm issues comes into the year behind schedule. He's just in rehab outings now. He did come out and say that he feels good and it's the best that he's felt since 2019. 2019 was the year he posted a he only went 11 and 8, but K per 9 up over 10, a 2.75 ERA FIP in the mid threes um, and such. And the, uh, the manager said that he looks good. So it's tough given that he's basically, it's now June and he's about ready to make his debut in about right. a week or so after he gets another rehab start. So it's one of those to me, and I'll see if you feel the same way. If he's out there on the IL or out in the waiver wire and you need pitching, you can pick him up. I just, you got to be realistic with what is going to happen with him. He's had a little bit of a a uh, he's a slower start to the year. He's been banged up. He's he's damn good when on the mound and healthy, but that's a pretty big when and how healthy does he come back? So I think you have to take a shot on Flaherty, but maybe you got to be careful on who you drop too because there's still a lot of risk with him coming back at this point. Yeah, I think it's Flaherty is your DFS GPP play for the rest of the year. It's He's made 20-something starts over the last two years um, since 2019. And over that time, like, the strikeouts were down, home runs were up, you know. And we we know about the potential, and, and he's a, a very good pitcher. But like you said, like, let's temper expectations unless you desperately need help. And if you desperately need help, then take the shot on the guy. But if you're in a in a very good position on the mound, I completely agree. Don't go ahead and drop someone um, who you think is going to regress and for Flaherty who might just break down in two months or um, not even, you know, really fulfill the role that you thought he was going to pitch in. Now, three start, three innings in his first uh, start in double A, four innings in his triple A start, and he's going to make another start on Wednesday. Right. Is that? Yeah. Wednesday. So we'll see if I mean, if he could be back in full capacity soon. Right. Next week. Almost. If he if he throws a if he gets through his Wednesday rehab start and everything's good and he throws five plus innings, um, I'm pretty confident he's going to be close to full strength. I, I But I guess my only concern is back to the Dave Roberts line of thinking and. Um, with all these managers, like don't rush him back and and force another injury. I would definitely have interest in Flaherty if I need pitching help, like you said. Um, but I'm not going out of my way. Really, I'm just copying exactly what you said. Just elongating the the conversation more than I should. But yeah, I'm in on Flaherty if I need pitching, and if I don't, tough not to go after him, right? Given the upside, but um, that's sometimes why we fade people in GPPs and, and uh, come out victorious. Sounds like on underdog and prize picks and Flaherty season debut, we're going to lean towards the under on the yeah. hangouts. Yeah, correct. 
it seems quite fair. Maybe go over in the strikeouts, kind of like a Strasburg-esque outing when he returns, but strikeouts are good and everything else is a little meh, to say yeah. the least. So have to see what happens there. We did get some, well, I don't want to say bad news. We're still unsure yet, but um, Michael Kopech left his start after just two batters, made five, all of five pitches. Um, the team said it's right knee discomfort. You know, there's a lot of times where people, like, in, you see it in, like, the NFL. It's like, oh, it's like, discomfort well they slammed their helmet on the field they were rolling right. in pain i think we're talking a little more than discomfort and kopech about killed the ground with probably what was about a 92 mile an hour spike of that mm -hmm. baseball as he was walking off so i'm going to take that into a little bit more consideration than perhaps a team with you know throwing out the general buzzwords soreness discomfort slight aggravation stuff like that that tends to not really be you know sure they're could be discomfort but that could be because there's you know something torn inside or something right. is all messed you know messed up or ripped to shreds so uh we don't really know much about the Kopech injury but it seems like uh, barring anything crazy we're at least going to get an IL stint it seems like for the right-hander yeah and it's definitely wait and see for now definitely place on IL and don't outright drop him because he's been awesome and it does look like there was some expected regression just based on the numbers um the strikeout rate is obviously not what it was out of the bullpen, but again, that's just what happens when starters or when relievers become starters and vice versa. Um, yeah, it's just a wait and see. And hopefully, like you said, there is nothing else. Um, it doesn't seem like they're just suddenly discomfort after five pitches, but um, we'll see. It's wait and see. Don't drop them. Hold on to them. Uh, you're, you're likely going to be able to place them on the IL soon. And then with Nate Eovaldi going to the IEL. So kind of talking about the injury there and about about how long was it going to be till his luck run down? Because it's not many times that someone posts a, you know, a BABIP that is about 30 points below their career mark with a home run per nine above two, yet continue to be a low three ERA's pitcher when the FIP, XFIP and everything, or the expected ERA and the FIP all indicate that regression was in store for Eovaldi. So talk about the IL trip and about how many more starts do we have of this ace like Eovaldi before we get to the, you know, more normal. <laughs> I mean, 15 day injured list with the lower back. So, um, and that he was placed on Sunday, no retroaction or retroactivation. So uh, we will see him at the end of, so July, we'll likely see him in July. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I, it doesn't help that he, you know, pitches in Boston and it's going to only get worse from here, right? It's only going to get closer to 100 than it is like 70 and 60s. Uh, so the temperature is only going to rise in Boston. The ball is only going to fly out of uh, Fenway even more. Um, I'm, I agree. I do like the strikeouts. Like this is where the hell was this when he was pitching for the Yankees? I mean, the guy figured it out at least in, in some uh parts of his game but yeah the the it's weird too like he doesn't have this crazy fly ball rate he, he you know is typically a ground ball pitcher i mean for his career a 46 percent ground ball pitcher for a guy of 46 percent ground ball rate to be giving up this many home runs is definitely concerning um but that's what happens when you throw a dead straight fastball and allow a 40 percent hit hard hit rate this year i mean the the luck is gonna run out as you mentioned colby but maybe you take this time to field some offers hey 
I know he's only going to be out for the minimum 15 days, or he's only going to he's going to be back in July at some point. Look at the strikeouts. Look at how well he's pitched. Look at all the run production he has um, in Boston. So maybe this is a good opportunity to to field some offers for Evaldi or or you know place him on the L. And as as we learn and get updates on him, um, you know, as the closer we are to the return, field some offers because you're not outright dropping the guy. Not even with the the uptick in uh, home runs and such and and likely regression, but um, I think I would float him out there as a guy that I'm looking to trade because, as you mentioned, it's it's we're we're it's probably going uh, downhill from here. And that's not a good division to be in in no. terms of when you know no. regression is forthcoming. That's not the division you want to be in. But I mean, it could be worse. He could be in the NL Central with the Pirates. But anyway. Um, not sure if you happen to see this with, obviously you saw that Joe Madden had gotten fired, um, but um, did see a rather interesting report that to try to rejuvenate the team and avoid a losing streak, um, the ageless Joe Madden went into a mohawk, uh, got, a, got himself a new hairdo with the mohawk to show the team just to get canned that day and for no one to see it. So that's kind that's of tough. That's tough. Me, but yes, that is very tough. Hey, I, Listen, you know, you saw like movie major league with people doing weird stuff to break out of slumps. A former Yankees player would wear a golden thong to try to break out (laughs) of it. You hear of all these cool things. I don't know if we've ever heard anything quite like a manager who's, you know, not exactly young go for the mohawk just to show it and not even get to take his hat off to show it. Part of me wonders if if the team was like, we're just sick of this losing streak. Madden walks in and goes, hey, check this out. Takes his hat off and they just go, you're done. Like, You're done. just get out. This is ridiculous. I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it at all. Um, that's what, but yeah, that's poor that's guy. What we need to know. That is what yeah. we need to know. Did did he get fired pre-removal of the hat or post-removal of the hat? That's that's the that's the that's the, the journalism reporting that we need today. They should have asked. They should have asked. Uh, I don't know what the full scope of the because I didn't watch the Angels uh, ESPN Sunday night game. Um, but they had Trout on the mic, and Trout talked about the Fantasy Football League and who won. Um, mm-hmm. But he didn't – I don't know if they asked him anything about Madden. Uh, that would have been – I mean, talk about just back-to-back hammers of questions. Who won the the greatest Fantasy Football League ever? And then did you guys see Joe Madden's – or did the – who saw Joe Madden's uh, mohawk? That would have been the best – reporting ever live on television it'd be really interesting to see if maybe well if joe madden can do that maybe he'll take over uh tommy fam or jock spot in the fantasy <laughs> uh football league we'll have to see with the with the raging mohawks that'd be a great team name for uh for joe Madden. but very interesting my guess is that the firing came pre-removal which then he had to go home i can only imagine that like oh how'd the haircut go uh, well <laughs> it's it, we got to deal with it now because it's going to take a little bit for this hair to grow back. So we'll have to see what goes on there. But um, quick question about Madden. Do you think he gets another job in Major League Baseball as a head coach? Said he wants to. So uh, with the, you know, coaching carousel just always on the move, I do. I know he's older, but um, I, I think he'll maybe get one more opportunity. And he's got to probably, to be the skip, he's probably got to reassure that team's front office that he's maybe he's going to do it a little bit different. This new yep. age of baseball or something like that. It's gotta, it's gotta be something like that. Yep, for sure. Um, cool. Let's go ahead and talk about a little buy or sell. So the first one we're going to look at Detroit starter 
Alex, I'm going to say Fado, Fado. I'm going like, to like Fado because what he's doing so far this year has been really quite exceptional. He's in rather rare company when you look at what he's done. So I'm pulling up here what I wrote in one of the uh, one of the weekly updates. But basically, he's got a nice little streak going in terms of how he's done. I bid over $200 on him in fab because I so desperately needed pitching. <laughs> you're, see, you're seeing the trend here, right? Yep. This, this team's very good offensively and just very not um, on the mound. But looking what the Tiger said, he has tossed at least five innings and allowed no more than two runs in all seven of his big league games. And this was a couple of days ago as I wrote this and just the third pitcher um, to do that. So Fadu has been quite impressive and he is doing quite well for a team that he has no help behind him offensively. So are you buying or selling the early season production here for the Detroit right-hander? I mean, when you look at like everything on the surface, it looks pretty good. Um, I will say he's made seven starts. I I can't really, and I, I probably shouldn't be saying this to you because he's faced the Pirates twice. I can't really pick out one lineup that he's faced that has really is really scary at all. He's faced Pittsburgh twice, um, Cleveland twice, who we know has been Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde from the start of the year. Um, Tampa Bay's offense has been a shell of what they've been in years past. Um, Oakland once and Minnesota. So I don't feel like we're even getting the best really look at him because he's, yes, facing major league offenses, but he's not striking them out at a very high clip. I know he had seven strikeouts in his last start, um, but Pittsburgh has struck out a lot this year. I don't, I think it's a, it's a very close one for me. I would probably sell. He's a 26 year old who has not had much there's nothing really on him, you know? He's only pitched one game prior to his call-up above double-A. Uh, and um, I think when the, the tape is out, I mean, his his ERA 292 is expected to be 465. I think uh, when he starts facing better offenses, it's going to be tough for him to continue. So I'm going to be selling Alex Fajardo, uh, which is, I just looked... Made to make sure that was the correct pronunciation. Um, I am selling Alex Fajardo. It's close, uh, but I think, you know, as the summer wears on and he's starting to face better opponents, I think he's going to struggle a little bit. It'd be pretty bad of me to say to sell him after I just spent $200 in fab on him. But um, Fajardo is a guy that I, I do like. And what really got me going was that he held Byron Buxton just to ground out a walk okay. and a single. That's okay. impressive because that's a – that's a perennial MVP candidate, top of top of guy for every fantasy team that I have. So, um, however you want to say it, Fido Fido is doing quite well. <laughs> but I understand I understand some of the concerns with him. But like I said, when you just paid two hundred dollars for him in Fab, it's kind of bad for you just to turn right. around and say, "Yeah, I'm going to sell him a day <laughs> right. after I paid up for him before he even right. made another start." So, totally get it there. Uh, we have, you know, we talked about that Toronto offense earlier, and Vladimir Guerrero, Bo Bichette and Teoscar Hernandez all have the luxury of hitting in a lineup, not only now with Gabriel Moreno, but also with Santiago Espinal, who's been really nice. I've enjoyed using him in DFS at times to yep. exploit some of his matchups. Are you buying or selling what Espinal has been doing and really boosting that Toronto lineup? Not even who even cares about Guerrero and Hernandez and all those guys. It's all about Espinal. Right. Bo knows, Bo knows who the best player in this lineup is, right, Colby? It's Santiago Espinal. I mean, um, I mean, I think he... It's another 
fringe type of player. I mean, he has been incredibly good uh, lately. And he's hitting 378 in June. He has more home runs in June, and we're on the 13th of the month, than he had in March, April, and May combined. Uh, he has three home runs this month, two in those three months, two months plus a couple days uh, combined. So, like, I don't think it's sustainable. And by that, I mean it's not sustainable. Like, uh, he has an 1,100 OPS. He has a 289 ISO, uh, 468 Woba in June. Now, the hard hit stuff, the all his metrics and um, his stat cast stuff has been real all year long. He hits everything hard. Um, he barrels a lot of baseballs. 38% hard hit rate is um, pretty incredible. I just, yeah, you like the multi-position eligibility. It just, like, hits in a good lineup, right? Like, everything is there. But he's never been a power guy in the minors. Um, he's a moderately good, okay, stolen base guy. Um, I'm... I'm probably selling this version of Santiago Espinal because I just don't think what he's doing in June is sustainable over the course of the full year. And he's not far off a lot of his expected metrics, which kind Fair. of makes it almost you're you were almost hoping like, oh, there's no way a 333 expected batting average and he's only hitting 288 or vice versa, something like that that would indicate some sort of regression was near. That just doesn't seem to be the case with him. To right. me, Espinal is going to be a guy who's going to – he's going to play every day, which is good, yep. but he is going to need it. He's almost that – like like an accumulator type in fantasy mm-hmm. with all the at-bats, the home runs, stolen bases, all those numbers were, will follow. He himself is never going to win you like a week if you play in weekly leagues or dominate any particular category. So if someone's willing to offer something of value because, like you said, they're buying this version of Espinal – I'm fine with moving him. If no one's going to take him, I wouldn't sell him cheap because you can at least live with the average and run score right. in this lineup and maybe he hits another binge here or there. 100% agree. I think I think that's the I think that's the perfect way to phrase uh Santiago Espinal and the shares that you have um moving forward. Yeah, and like if you if you play on NFL NFBC, you can look at it like by weekly. You're just going to see a lot of, oh, he hit 295 this week with one home run and one stolen base. Over time, that adds up. You just never notice it on a weekly basis. So right. he is of the accumulator variety. And the last buyer sell guy, we have 31-year-old Christian Walker in Arizona. He's got 15 home runs. The power is reminiscent of that really otherwise outlying 2019 year. He does have some hefty splits, to say the least. But outside of batting average, the strikeouts are at least down a little bit, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. One would think the average has got to come around a little bit. His expected batting average is damn near 275, and he's yep. at 207. A lot of hard contact like Espinal. So are we buying or selling Christian Walker? I'll go first. I'm buying, but what say you? I'm 100% buying. I think you nailed it. Look at all of his expected numbers, and just just speaks to how unlucky he's been still considering he's hit 15 home runs. 197 Babbitt, Colby, 197 balls, uh, batting average on balls in play. 197 um, expected batting average, as you said, uh, 275. Expected Woba, 406. I mean, everything suggests Christian Walker should be having a much better year for a guy who has 15 home runs, has scored 27 runs, has 31 ribbies. Like, the counting stats are pretty good. Um, 
he only has eight, he has 15 home runs and 18 singles. You just got to wonder how many more hits he'd have, you know, if he's just getting a, get a little more uh, lucky. Um, so I'm buying Christian Walker. I think this lineup suits him well. He's I think the ballpark suits him well. Um, so I, I do like the power from Christian Walker in Arizona. Um crushing left-handed pitching this year over a 400 woba i I love christian walker um and i love the opportunity to buy because i i don't he's not going to cost you a lot i think a lot of people look at christian walker like oh he's just another power guy that you can find on the waiver wire well if things start turning around for him in all all around at the dish i think we could be looking at a guy who's driving in a lot of runs similar to what he drove in, in in 2019 i mean he's on a better home run pace than he was in 2019 as well yeah and right now uh, i mean if you can buy him great go ahead and get him other than that just right now i mean the batting average has been there against lefties with the power more so against righties but for his career i mean he just mashed righties i mean right hitting 235 but 51 bombs yep 51 of his 67 career home runs are against righties so take that for what you will but now james want to get your ideas here in terms of thought or level of concern for a couple of players. So I'm going to start here with Hinjin Ryu of the Blue Jays. He's been injured now for a little bit. So it's not necessarily the news itself um, that he's injured is the reason, but more so a quote that came out basically about it. So obviously Ryu is on the IL and I wrote this in the daily roundup a couple of days ago, which you should be checking those out daily on fantasyalarm.com. But Toronto Blue Jays, a general manager, Ross Atkins about Hinjin Ryu said that the team is, quote, optimistic that there is nothing terribly significant, but there are chronic changes within that left elbow. So that is a lot. That's like that's kind of like the, you know, tell me a lot without saying a lot. And, you know, optimistic there is nothing terribly significant. So for me, my concern is at a nine. He's even stumped before he was hurt. So my level of concern just in general is high for Ryu. What about you? I mean, it has to be. What what does that even mean? What does that even mean? I mean, they're clearly concerned. That's just a quote that, like, you're getting out there um, because you're concerned. Like, clearly concerned makes me clearly concerned. Um, I'm very high. I mean, he's 35 years old, too. Hasn't looked great. Didn't look great last year. Didn't look great in his starts this year. Um, Concerned for Ryu moving forward this year and beyond, just considering age and, and recent form since you know honestly leaving the Dodgers so uh very very concerned I, I I don't have a number but the number is as close to high as it can get absolutely and then the last one we got here is Yoan Moncada hitting a very cool and by very cool I mean very very cool 132 on the year with a 386 OPS that Santiago Espinal can only laugh at at this point in the year with how good he's been but Moncada was a guy just Back in 2019, he hit 315. Then outside of that, it was some okay batting average in 2021. He's almost looked like he's been like an every other year guy. But it seems to me that that 2019 season is now just a distant memory. And what we've gotten lately is really what he's going to be. Okay power. He's not. He's done running. Don't ever hope for stolen bases with him anymore. So my level of concern with Mankata is at about a 7.382. And where do you come in with your level of concern with Mankata? <laughs> A uh, few less decimal points than that, but a higher number. I would say, like, he is in, I'm in, if you're an owner, full-blown panic mode. Um, and if you're an owner, I think it's time to not 
be an owner anymore. I think it's full on 8.2, get rid of him, shed the weight. He's providing nothing. No steals, no power, no average, not even walking. 4% K- or walk rate uh, after a, a guy who's put up 12-plus percent two straight years. The K rate's back up. Uh, full-blown panic mode. Drop him in all formats. I, even if he shows, like, a little life. I mean, I just can't see him uh, ever getting back to what he was in that 2019 season. I think uh, the—I I don't want to say that his good days are behind him. He's literally 27. Like, he's in his prime. Um, but there's no signs of life right now. And, and uh, the expected numbers don't suggest any type of positive regression. Um, so I don't think there's really anything to hear, I think. Uh, Mankata is a is a Ghana. Mankata is a Ghana. I didn't really yeah. rhyme, but I I tried. Okay, just know I tried. I know Apple's new iOS feature does allow you to like copy text from like images and stuff. If we could just copy what you had said, basically your selling point of he's only twenty seven. You know that's what I would be starting every potential trade offer if you have Mankata to sell him to someone right. in your league. Hey, he's only twenty seven. That twenty nineteen season is only three years ago. <laughs> he's still twenty seven. Like you got to, you got, you're going to have to sell it. You're going to have to, you know, bust out the old sales mentality to get someone to take them off your hands. So, but I agree. Moncada is a Ghana in the words of at the underscore real underscore grande on Twitter. So there, there you have it, but we got to wrap it up here for the prediction for the week that lies ahead last week. Uh, you said two wins for John Gray. I believe he got the one yesterday. Yeah. Sucked in his, he sucked against Cleveland. Yeah. And then Matt said, Adley Rushman would get his first home run. I said, Edward Cabrera put up, uh, the, the document says twenty plus strikeouts, but I think I said five plus. I just yeah, said, actually, I remember you. Yeah, I remember you saying five. Yeah, there's. I know there's edit history and Google Docs, but we just don't need to look there. It's fine. Basically, I was right. That's the end of the story. But uh, this week's predict- prediction, James, I'll go ahead and let you go first. Colby, sorry to be doing this to you, but uh, your Pittsburgh Pirates have um, the highest strikeout rate against left-handed pitching over the last two weeks. That's good. and. Uh, very good. They actually have the third highest strikeout rate this year against left-handed pitching, near 25%. So we're going to head over to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, two, their 2019 first-round draft pick in Zach Thompson will be making his first major league start on Monday, Colby. Uh, Zach Thompson, I'm going bold here, okay? This isn't a – this is – I think Zach Thompson, first off, should be picked up immediately if he's available. If you want to stream him, that's fine. Um, Big strikeout guy. Uh, Zach Thompson, 8-plus Ks against your Pittsburgh Pirates tonight. Um, 74 pitches in his his debut out of the pen. Uh, Looked really good. Only had three strikeouts. Uh, It's going to be different against the Pirates here. I'm going eight strikeouts for Zach Thompson in uh, in his starting debut for the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, that's cute, but Pittsburgh has the better Zach Thompson. So just keep that in mind. I mean, four or five ERA in the year, seven K. I guess I guess my new bowl prediction is that Pittsburgh Zach Thompson will do better than the St. Louis Zach Thompson in their start here. But I'll that'll be my bold, bold prediction for the week. Uh, I'll go a little bit more conservative this week. Christopher Morrell continues his hot start for the Cubs and has at least two or more home runs this week and two or more stolen bases. Don't have to be in the same game, just for the week in general so that was really the week that was in 
uh, baseball, Major League Baseball, Fantasy Baseball here. We wrap it up here all in the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Colby R. Conway. Follow James at the underscore real underscore grande on Twitter. Make sure, even though he's not here, give Matt Sells a follow. Let him know you missed him. Can't wait to have him back next week at the Sellsman on Twitter. And just make sure you're checking out all the content at Fantasy Alarm, DFS Alarm, whether you're daily, your player props, you want underdog and prize picks, seasonal, all of that is covered there. So we'll be back probably about a week or so from the day to break down all that was in the upcoming week of baseball in the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We will see you next week.